Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Hello tribe, it's been a little while. I just wanted to jump on today and say hello, say I miss you, and get you guys caught up on some of the things that have been happening behind the scenes here at Autoimmune Tribe LLC and also talk about what I eat. Someone asked this yesterday, the day before, and I was like, I can totally talk about that. So I wanna hop on, talk to you guys a little bit about, it's easier to talk about what I don't eat, (laughs) and a little bit of what my daily routine looks like as far as food goes. But first, let's talk about what's been going on. So we just moved into our first home this past week, and my goodness, it has been a whirlwind. I have respect for homeowners and all of the paperwork that it requires, but beyond just the paperwork and the nitty-gritty of it, right, signing your initials and your signature a million times at closing, I want to talk a little bit for a second about the the energetic side of this purchase. So, uh, 
Owning a home is something I've always dreamed of. I always wanted my own space and this place to create as my own sanctuary and designed it in my own, you know, flair. I'm kind of like this boho unicorn style. <laughs> and um, I had this really clear image in my head of what I desired and that I would have it someday. There were definitely parts of me in the back of my head who doubted that and were like, Sarah, you are, uh, my taxes are 1099, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I own my own business, and that makes purchasing a home really difficult. I would love to hear if you guys are listening to live or replay, put in the, into the comments, hashtag live or hashtag replay. Let me know if you're a homeowner or not, and also let me know uh, if you are a homeowner and an entrepreneur. So getting back to my story here, I didn't, I just didn't know if it was going to be possible uh, as far as logistically to have 1099 taxes and a business that's under two years old and purchase a home. And I... On the other side of it, I had this super clear vision that this was the home I was going to buy. It was going to have a big ass backyard. I was going to be able to have chickens. Bella was going to love it, my dog, and she was going to sunbathe out there. And so we started looking and we weren't planning to move and actually purchase a home until next year after I had um, my finances more in order and our, our taxes more in order. And then we found this home. It was about two weeks into searching, <laughs> and we put an offer on it, and they accepted it, and now we he we're here. We're, we live in this home. My hair matches the walls, <laughs> and uh, by the way, I think I'm going to put this on the podcast, so I would love for you guys to interact with me, and you're going to be on the podcast if you do. So, unfortunately, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see that my hair matches my wall, but it, <laughs> it does, <laughs> and it just felt like it was meant to be. We walked into the home. Right in the entrance, if you turn to the left, like in the entryway, there was a picture of a unicorn. It was like this watercolor painting of a unicorn. And I was like, oh my God, I found my people. I found my tribe. This is amazing. And we wrote that in our offer letter. Like, I, you know, Sarah loves the unicorn on your wall. Pick us. Choose me. <laughs> and uh, they did choose us. And they stopped by the other day. Unfortunately, we didn't get to meet them. But at our doorstep, they left me... Uh, a painting from the same artist of another unicorn. I should have brought it upstairs to show you guys. But um, yeah, the previous owners gave me a unicorn painting. So I'm pretty sure it's going to go up in this in this room in my office. And we're just, we're really excited. But the reason I'm telling you all these details is because the power of belief is so strong. When you believe you can have something, you can freaking have it. It's going to manifest. You're going to keep planting that seed over and over again, and it's going to come to you in your life. And that's part of what this home purchasing, buying process has been for me and my partner. A lot has been going on behind the scenes in general here at Autoimmune Tribe. So we just ended Intuitive Soul School, my first round of Intuitive Soul School. So, so soulful, so amazing. So many breakthroughs, transformations, women just waking up, waking up to their intuition and seeing how freaking powerful they are. Oh my God, to be a witness to that was an honor, but also so much fun. Uh, I also... 
have a shitload of amazing podcast interview guests lined up. So those are all going to happen in the next few weeks and you guys are going to be so excited about some of the topic of these conversations and some of the people I'm bringing on. Cannot wait. And then I also in the past week or two have offered and launched my one-on-one business coaching and this is for soulful, spiritual, entrepreneurs who want to build a health or wellness coaching business and have been chatting with some entrepreneurs and it's been lighting me up inside. I love helping other women start to build abundance and freedom in their schedule and their, in their bank account and really, um, make it easy for them. So that's been going on. And then I'm also working on some local workshops. So excited. If you guys are in Colorado, stay tuned. I would love to meet you in person. Some local workshops coming up soon. And then next week, I'm launching a free mini course. Um, I'll give you guys a little teaser. It's on crystals because I have so many people reaching out to me in the last month or so about how they want to learn more about crystals. And I had no idea that people even wanted this. So thank you for telling me. Now that I know you guys want to learn more about how to use crystals, the meaning behind crystals, more specifically, like how do I actually implement this? What does this have to do with autoimmune disease? I'm going to break that down next week in a free mini course that'll be in the Facebook group. So if you're listening to the podcast or somewhere else to this this audio, come join Autoimmune Tribe Facebook group. But let's get to what the point of this conversation is today. So I'm going to talk about what I eat. Again, someone asked this the other day and I'm excited to share it. So here's my little disclaimer before I jump into sharing what I eat and and do not eat. I am not giving anyone advice today on the way you should eat, okay? I'm going to repeat that. I'm not giving you advice on how you should eat. Instead, I'm just simply giving you a little sneak peek into my life, into my meals, letting you get to know me a little bit better, and some of the why around why I do choose to eat what I do eat and why I choose not to eat some of the other things and food groups. So let's start with what I don't eat, yeah? (laughs) Uh, And I want to hear from you guys too. Again, live or replay, what does your diet look like? What are the things that you exclude and what are the things that you stock up on at Costco? One of the things I stock up on in Costco is organic coconut milk. That is a lifesaver for me. And we, even if you're not a Costco shopper, what are the things that you love to have in your pantry or in your refrigerator that are there all the time? Coconut milk is there. Avocados are a must for me. They're always in our home. We always have a ton of avocado oil too and olive oil uh, in our kind of veggie baskets always full as well. Always having veggies in the home. So what I don't eat is number one, gluten. For obvious reasons, if you haven't heard my story, I have celiac disease, so gluten is a no in this household. I also don't eat any other grains. So I was for a while, and I was tolerating uh, like some rice and like some corn. If you didn't know, corn is a grain. And they really just have not been working well for me. So all grains, I don't eat rice, I don't eat quinoa, I don't eat um, corn, I don't eat wheat, obviously. So no grains in general. And then I also do not eat dairy. Dairy um, sometimes makes my stomach upset, but mostly makes my skin freak out. Uh, I I have had some grass-fed butter lately. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. Um, 
And occasionally I'll have a little bit of goat cheese, so without the lactose, I tend to digest better. If I ever do, I always take digestive enzymes because it helps my body break it down. So grains, dairy, I do not eat soy. Uh, soy, I, I was having, oh my god, all through college I drank soy lattes. <laughs> Way too many soy lattes. And it was not organic soy. And I, I do attribute a little bit of that much soy consumption to some of my hormonal imbalance. So everything I'm telling you today and some of the reasons behind not just, you know, not eating gluten and having celiac disease, some of these other um, foods that I do omit are because of lab, lab testing. So I really highly recommend that you get lab testing done to try to figure out, okay, do I have a hormone imbalance? Should I avoid soy, for example? Um, it's much more detailed and complicated than that, but we're just sticking on the surface today. And again, I mean, I'm also not a nutritionist or a functional diagnostic nutritionist, but those people are amazing to work with. If you need a recommendation, I have one. I would happy to be ha would be happy to refer you to somebody. I also don't uh, consume caffeine. Uh, caffeine, I again was having soy lattes like every single day. And then I switched to having um, either a seed milk um, or a nut milk for a while or coconut milk with my with my typically um, uh, local coffee shop here that my boyfriend and I would go to. And oh my God, they brew amazing coffee. But when I started reducing the caffeine in my life, I realized how much better I was feeling. And even though it was a sad day <laughs> to, to say goodbye to coffee, I talk about this in Intuitive Soul School, actually. Caffeine lowers your vibration. And as an empath, which I know a lot of you are empaths and a lot of you listening to the podcast are resonating with this term empath and the characteristics behind it. Caffeine lowers your vibration, and so it makes you more susceptible to feeling fatigued, having a shit ton of anxiety, and that's kind of exactly what I experienced. So I tried to do the whole decaf thing, but decaf does not mean caffeine-free, right? Decaf means like 95% caffeine-free. So I was still getting um, actually super tired when I was drinking decaf. It was like my body shut down when I had caffeine. It was like, whoa, we can't process this. Go to sleep. <laughs> and so I would get really tired and then also my anxiety would really peak with even a decaf. So I've had to just cut caffeine out of my life. Unfortunately, that also means caffeine in some foods and not just coffee. Coffee is not the only caffeine source like chocolate. Chocolate is a caffeine source, so I have to be very careful with my chocolate intake for also other reasons that I'll go into in a second. But um, uh, matcha, matcha green tea was another kind of like alternative I tried out with coconut milk, super delicious. My body couldn't handle it, so I uh, do not do any caffeine, and, and the ca caffeine concentration in green tea is extremely high. Uh, nightshade, so again, many of you probably have tried or follow the autoimmune paleo protocol. I also did that at one point in my healing process. I do not follow that strictly by any means anymore. I've tailored my diet to intuitively eating and also my lab tests. But nightshades are one of the things that the AIP diet did surface and bring awareness um, to the surface for me about nightshades. 
what are nightshades, right? Like peppers, white potato, eggplant, etc. And this category of foods, uh, when I started eliminating that, again, felt really good. Tried to reintroduce because I am fully on board with trying to reintroduce foods as quickly as possible so that you do not lose um, your oral tolerance. And I, I really didn't do well with white potato, green peppers. Oh my gosh, couldn't stand. And uh, but I did did do okay with cayenne, interesting, and jalapeno. So I don't have a specific reason why. But I uh, tolerate, again, a lot of this is me listening to my body and my intuition, along with lab tests. I will still eat, or now I eat, um, jalapeno and cayenne uh, as a seasoning or like jalapeno on a, on a uh, cassava uh, taco or something like that. Because again, no grains. But um, Siete makes a really good cassava tortilla. So we eat tacos a fair amount in this household, actually, because you can kind of feed everyone with tacos. And I will put jalapenos on there sometimes. So uh, I'm not completely nightshade-free anymore, but I was for a while. Um, and it really was just because they made me feel inflamed. So again, this is just me listening to my body. And we're all going to react differently. All that bio-individuality that... Every single one of our bodies is so unique, so beautiful, so different, and our cells are unique and different, so our bodies are going to react differently. But I hope this is helpful. So eggs, eggs are another one. Sorry, our doorbell just rang. Uh, eggs are another one. I eliminated eggs after muscle testing. So uh, muscle testing is using your subconscious, tapping into your subconscious in order to uh, get answers, ask questions. One of the questions that I asked my subconscious through muscle testing was if I um, was having inflammation, acne, and if I had a sensitivity to eggs. Well, it came out very strongly that I did. And so about two years ago, I cut eggs out of my diet. And it was a sad day because I was eating eggs almost every, every day for breakfast. And uh, once I cut the eggs out, I was having kind of this jawline um, breakouts and acne, and it cleared up really quickly after I eliminated eggs. And so that was a clear um, understanding for me that like, okay, you know, even if eggs don't make me feel like I'm going to throw up or I'm going to have to use the bathroom, they're um, still not being completely digested properly by my body. Now, uh, in the past few months, um, the foods that I've been eating has been pretty limited, limited, and so I have tried reintroducing eggs more recently. I'm still trying to figure out if they're really going to be reintroduced or not, um, but uh, I have my fingers crossed that maybe that's a food I can have some, you know, good, high-quality, grass-fed eggs. My aunt and uncle have a farm. When I eat their eggs, I tend to do okay, so I think it does have something to do with the processing as well even though we always buy organic eggs. So process, um, no eggs for now, trying, trying it out. And then processed foods. Processed foods, I wanted to add in here just as like this general category um, because we really don't buy anything in a box. Um, I mean, we buy, some, we buy some flowers in bags like cassava flour, coconut flour, but in general, we're not purchasing in this home any sort of processed foods. I do, sometimes I get Simply Milled sprouted seed crackers. <laughs> but for the most part, we're, we're eating whole foods, right? Whole foods, foods that look the, the color and the shape and the form that they were when they came out of the earth or off of a tree, etc. Um, 
Sugar. Sugar is a recent one um, in the past year. So about last June, I cut sugar out of my diet. And this started with a little bit of a slow roll because I definitely had a sugar addiction. I think most humans th these days have a sugar addiction, whether they realize it or not. But um, I can't remember the name of this documentary, but there's a documentary on, sh on sugar that's on Netflix that is really eye-opening as well. And how our brains can literally become addicted to sugar, just like just like drugs. And um, I saw that that habit in myself. I saw um, that I had a lot of sugar cravings. Part of that, again, going back to lab testing, is because of candida um, and both bacterial, fungal, and, ye and yeast overgrowth in my gut. Um, but what really was the last line for me was when sugar became something that triggered panic attacks. And when sugar triggered panic attacks for me, it, it was just a no-brainer. You know, I want to live a long, healthy life. I don't want to be debilitated by anxiety and panic. And when I cut sugar out, my panic attacks reduced, I would say, by 75%. I was getting way less panic attacks when I cut sugar out. And so I'm going to be more specific about this. When I mean I cut out sugar, and we're still trying to figure out exactly why me and my practitioner, why I'm so sensitive to sugar, but uh, when I did cut it out, I was replacing, uh, you know, gluten-free cupcakes <laughs> with, you know, like a date ball or something. Unfortunately, that uh, it helps because it's a more natural form of sugar. However, I was still getting those triggers. Dates have, I believe, 16 grams per date of sugar. That's crazy, you guys, right? Like 16 grams. And, and that's, so if you go and do some research on sugar, that's like how much sugar you should have in one day. So, um, it was a lot of sugar and the dates that I was trying to replace. And so I, you know, I said, enough is enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I am strong and I don't have to, um, just, you know, replace, uh, sugar with another type of sugar. So instead I, um, started to replace it with uh, sugar alternatives like monk fruit. So uh, monk fruit is comes from a fruit uh, and uh, is sourced mostly from Asia, from Asia. And they create that, the, take the fruit and they put it into a powdered form. And uh, it can also be like crystallized, like a, a sugar you would buy, like a white sugar you would buy. But um, I buy it in like a very fine powder form from Julian's Bakery Organic pure monk fruit and I will add that to um, anything that I want to make sweet. Uh, I really don't use it as much anymore because I've lost the taste for sugar but for a long time you have to wean yourself off. It's, it is an addiction. Your body starts to crave it and I was needing something to like kind of trick my brain to, into that sugar feeling, that sweet feeling. And so monk fruit was was the answer for me for a while. And again, now, um, even the monk fruit, it, it's also like stevia, very, very, very sweet. So you only need a tiny amount. And now my body's kind of like, you know what? We don't really need this anymore. <laughs> so I really backed off that as well. But it's been clutch in some situations. You can bake with it. Um, they have like monk fruit syrups, a lot of things you can do with monk fruit. Uh, red meat has been another one for me. So I was actually vegetarian for six years, borderline vegan. I would, I would do some cheese, cheats, cheese, cheats every once in a while back in like my early twenties. Um, and this is before I was diagnosed celiac as well. And, um, so I cut meat out 
Uh, and I, I don't even, I'm not a big label person in general. I guess I was more of a pescatarian because I actually never cut out fish. But uh, when I did reintroduce chicken and other, uh, you know, poultry and beef and it, it was very challenging after six years of number one, not having the stomach acid to then digest meat because I had lost that. Um, so digestive enzymes were huge. Apple cider vinegar. Oh my God. <laughs> Apple cider vinegar. Um, and when I went from vegetarian to more like a paleo meat eating diet was transformational. <laughs> like, like bow down to ACV, apple cider vinegar. I lifesaver for me. Um, but uh, red meat uh, was really hard to reintroduce because I had a really hard time digesting it. But I saw that, especially with the MTHF farm genetic mutation, that I needed some red meat in my diet. And so again, in the past couple of years, I've, I've really tried to um, include more grass-fed um, beef. Again, it's still hard for me to stomach a little bit, especially as like a vegetarian who was like, animal. Yes, I love puppies. <laughs> um, but this is a controversial subject. I'm not going to go too deep into it. I um, have eaten kind of all colors of the rainbow. I currently do eat red meat, but beef is still kind of eh for me. Uh, and so I, I tend to eat bison. Bison and lamb, uh, for whatever reason, are just way easier for me to stomach. So I, I do eat that now, but that was something I took out for a long time. I don't necessarily recommend it. Um, I want to keep that stomach acid high so that you can you can digest and get uh, a lot of the bioavailable protein that is, is available in red meat. Nuts are another one. So I do not eat nuts. I totally rebelled against this. I was like, I want to eat peanut butter. <laughs> Give me the peanut butter. Oh, but... Uh, my body really, really does not like nuts. Uh, I don't go into any sort of like anaphylaxis or anything like that. Um, and I never did when I was a little kid either. This is all, all of these are recent within um, my diagnosis, since my diagnosis of celiac. So, and that was in, again, my early twenties and I'm 30 now. So nuts, um, I rebelled. I really love cashews. Oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> an easy snack but uh, again they were they're a trigger for panic attacks for me I eat nuts I feel shitty just straight shitty when I eat nuts so I do not eat them anymore bye bye peanut butter sad but I'd rather not have panic attacks and uh, interesting though because I also cut seeds out during that time because I just figured nuts and seeds but I've reintroduced seeds like I mentioned sometimes I get a sprouted seed cracker and I actually tolerate seeds just fine so pumpkin seeds um, uh, sunflower seeds, uh, I will eat on occasion and enjoy. <laughs> and then lastly, I want to talk to you guys about oxalates. So I do not, well, I eat a low oxalate diet. And uh, this is probably, of any of the things I've talked about, this is probably like the one that you might not uh, have heard, maybe have not heard of. And oxalates, I'm actually going to read this from my FDN. Oxalates are naturally occurring substances found in plants, animals, and in humans. So they're in our body, right? The human body naturally generates oxalates, and we also get oxalates by eating plant-based foods which contain them. So there's no oxalates in meat or anything. It's only in plant-based foods. And they are anti-nutrients that can bind with minerals such as calcium, magnesium, iron in your food and prevent their absorption in the body. So 
in a healthy individual, moderate quantities, as long as like the only thing you're not like, this actually is interesting. So if you're only eating oxalates, then, you know, that's definitely a problem. But in a healthy individual, the moderate quantities of oxalates shouldn't be a problem, right? So um, obviously when there's chronic illness, that's another story. But also, I first heard about oxalates about five years ago, and it was when, um, I can't remember her name right now, she's the body ecology diet, Donna Gates. Uh, she was was doing, uh, I think, like a one of those summits, you know, where you just binge watch everything. <laughs> I can't do those anymore, it's just way too much. Um, but she was talking about oxalates, and I remember this. This talk was one that was actually pretty eye-opening to me because she talked about how there were these prisoners, and I think it was specifically in Illinois, um, a prison that was serving like really high soy foods to the prisoners because it's a cheap protein. You know, that's just what they were fed. But it was like the majority of what they were fed. And so these prisoners ended up having like these basically oxalates can crystallize in your tissue and in your body. And when they um, were researching the issues, the stomach issues that some of these people were having in this specific prison, they had like crystallization like forms in their body. Crazy stuff, you guys. So I remember that from like five years ago still. Um, but here are some of the factors that can influence the ability of your body to handle oxalates, right? So this is, I fall, fall into a lot of these categories, which is, you know, why I experience a sensitivity to oxalates. And I had naturally, and intuition is so powerful. I, my intuition had already told me like to not eat some of these high oxalate foods, but I had not cut all of them out. Then I did an organic acids test or oat test with my practitioner, and then it confirmed that I needed to be on a low oxalate diet. But it was, again, very interesting that I was already eating pretty low oxalate because my body was just telling me, like, hey, hey, girl, beets don't make you feel good. <laughs> so, again, here are the factors. So, an antibiotic use, which I think a lot of us can relate to and, and um, probably have been on antibiotics long term. For me, um, I had a staph infection, I had cystic acne, and my dermatologist put me on antibiotics for a shit long time. And I also was on a lot of antibiotics in high school and as I was younger as well. Um, other thing, overconsumption of high oxalate foods. This goes back to that prison study. So if you're like eating a shit ton of spinach or Swiss chard or chia or or nuts, like that that can be um, become a, become a problem for you. Again, I'm not diagnosing anybody today. Uh, a micronutrient deficiency. So if you're deficient, and this is what I, I brought in, um, the MTHFR mutation for me specifically. So when you have a vitamin B1 and B6 deficiency, both, right, this will make your body generate more oxalates. And calcium and magnesium are necessary to bind to oxalates, so they are excreted in the stool instead of being absorbed. So um, you're you may have a micronutrient deficiency because the body isn't able to absorb the nutrients that you're putting in, so there's a little bit of a malabsorption issue. Same thing with fat, fat malabsorption. So extra fat binds to calcium, and then calcium, therefore, is not able to bind to the oxalates to help rid it and excrete it through your stool, so then the oxalates instead are free to get into uh, your blood and your tissues and, again, form those crystallizations. 
Leaky Gut is another one. So again, highly used term. So there's this permeability of the lining of your gut. And within that permeability, oxalates then cross that, that barrier of your gut lining and get into your bloodstream. Uh, another uh, factor here is not getting enough good bacteria in your gastrointestinal tract, GI tract. Uh, and when there's not enough good bacteria, then we can't break down the oxalates. And then lastly, genetic mutations, which I've already hinted onto, um, but some people uh, have a genetic mutation or mutations that uh, create the circumstances in an environment or epigenetics, right, that um, make it, they have less of an ability to handle the oxalates and break down the oxalates and excrete them. So I hope this has been a little eye-opening. This is something I've known about for a long time and again, intuitively started to cut out, but it's something now that my lab tests confirmed that I really need to be proactive about. So normally we absorb just one to 2% of oxalates, but when the gut is inflamed, we can absorb as much as 50%, 50% of oxalates. And so again, this was something that I was seeing as a trigger beats triggered anxiety for me. <laughs> Weird, right? But that's just the way it was, which was also part of why we decided to do this test um, and the fact that I have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So I actually really highly recommend anyone listening with fibromyalgia who has chronic pain um, and has not done an organic acids test, go get an organic acids test. It's so eye-opening. There's more than just figuring out if you have an oxalate, um, uh, excess oxalates in your body or not. There's, there's much more information on the test. But that's one thing that absolutely you'll be able to determine with a skilled practitioner is if you have excess oxalate and if a low oxalate diet may be good for you. So now I'm doing several things on supplementation side, diet side, um, and I'm also taking like a CalMag-D, calcium magnesium um, liquid with food to help bind oxalates so that they aren't, you know, starting to live in my body, create pain, those, those Again, crystals are part of what can cause the fibromyalgia pain. Super, super, super interesting. Um, let's just give you guys a breakdown of what you're like, okay, Sarah, you've been talking about these things called oxalates. What are they other than beets and soy? Let me just tell you some of the main high oxalates, right? So there's actually a uh, scale here. And uh, there's actually then there's Facebook groups on it too that talk all their people freaking oxalate obsessed in a antioxidant way. <laughs> but some of the highest oxalate foods that I now avoid are eh, sweet potato, sad day again. Here's the thing though. If I looked at all the things that I, I'm listing right listing right now to you and was like, oh my god, poor me, I can't eat fucking anything, I would be living in this very lax scarcity mindset. And instead, what I'm about to tell you after I tell you these high oxalate foods is what I do eat, and that's really what I focus on. I focus more on, oh my God, these are the foods that are nourishing me, that are healing me, that are my food as medicine and providing um, fuel for my body. That's where to focus your mindset. And, and mindset's my jam. <laughs> so uh, I, I focus less on you know what it is I can't eat and more on oh, what are the foods I can eat? How can I get creative with them? All right, sorry, tangent there. High oxalate foods are beets, field greens, including spinach, 
That was when I was, I was eating a lot of spinach before. That was one of the foods I had not intuitively cut out. Swiss chard, um, kale, uh, sweet potatoes. I mentioned that one. Um, celery. I know celery goes totally against the medical medium. <laughs> medical medium's all about celery juice every single day, maybe even more than once a day. And uh, again, this is bio-individual, so this, I do not consume celery right now in my life because I have excess oxalates. If you only drank ex celery juice, you'd probably have excess oxalates too. So just be aware of that. Uh, do intuitively what feels best for your body and get lab tests done. Green beans are another one. Um, rhubarb. Blackberries, again, I was actually eating a lot of blackberries because it was berries are low sugar fruit. And so I could tolerate some of those berries, whereas I can't tolerate like an apple or a banana or a mango. It's way too high sugar for me. So I was eating blackberries and blueberries. Well, blackberries are high oxalate. So now I just stick to my blue, my bloobs. Um, other high oxalate fruits are guava, plantains, raspberries, um, kiwi, pomegranate, star fruit, figs. And then most nuts are also high oxalate. So almonds, sesame seeds, chia seeds, peanuts, chocolate, sad day chocolate. I'm going to have you again. I know it. And then some uh, grains and um, lentils, beans that are fall in the high oxalate diet, uh, high oxalate range are quinoa, soy, as I mentioned, buckwheat, and again, most beans, most grains are high oxalate. But the good news is you can eat all the meat you, <laughs> you want. So meat does not contain oxalates. Don't eat only meat. Please don't do that. But uh, yeah, so this is what I do not eat. And now you're probably wondering, like, what the hell do you eat then, Sarah? <laughs> Put into the comments what you guys are currently eating. What are you currently loving? What are you avoiding in your diet? Here's what I do eat. So the basis of this, kind of the, the structure, the recipe of my meals every single day. And when I go to the grocery store, I stick to the outer aisles. I very rarely will go into any of the aisles of the grocery store because the outer edge of the grocery store is where you find your protein, your seafood, your fruits, and your vegetables, right? So I, other than coconut milk and maybe some cassava flour sometimes, I really don't go into the aisles. And I'll stick to the edges of the grocery store. And again, on the, the basis, the bulk of this, I eat whole foods. So I eat vegetables that are low oxalate. I eat high uh, quality healthy fats and I eat proteins uh, proteins that are mostly uh, chicken bison lamb as I was mentioning before um, and then f a fish a shellfish fortunately I don't have a shellfish allergy so that's good uh, and I'm not trying to be keto or anything with the with the no sugar but I kind of, I call myself like accidentally keto sometimes because again, based on my intuition, what makes me feel good, what makes me feel shitty and my lab testing, uh, I've basically kind of fallen into a, like a keto diet. I've never um, tested to see if I'm in cat cat ketosis <laughs> or not, um, but it's possible. So uh, here's what a little bit of my day looks like. Breakfast is usually either a grain-free 
collagen added waffle or pancake. So I'll make that from scratch. Um, really simple coconut flour, cassava flour, baking powder, baking soda, like just very easy ingredients. Um, I'll, I always add collagen when I'm baking when possible or call like I add collagen to everything. <laughs> um, so, and I get my collagen from further food. Okay cut here's here's an ad for you guys go to furtherfood.com use the, the promo code autoimmune tribe 10 and get 10 percent off there's my love for you today go try it you'll love it um grain-free waffles and then i'll do that like with a protein um like turkey patties or something but i also often for breakfast will eat leftovers from the night before i'm a, I'm a huge leftover fan i know some people are like just weird as hell about leftovers uh, left, like, I'm not gonna eat french fries the next day, but other than that, I adore leftovers. I love having leftovers in the house, and I will always eat them. Um, I also love soup for breakfast, so I don't know about you guys, uh, I think it's, um, becoming pretty common within, like, AIP, too, to, like, be creative about breakfast, uh, but I really love eating soup for breakfast, like a butternut squash soup, um, or now asparagus are more of a medium oxalate food, but I was doing like an asparagus soup was super yummy for breakfast. And then I snack, I snack on blueberries, as I mentioned, I really, I am a big blueberry fan. I, I use wild blueberries in like a, like a smoothie or a mousse that I make because um, there, there's actually a huge difference between like the blooms that you get at in the little carton and wild blueberries and you'll see in the size there's a major difference as well and the, the antioxidant level in the wild blueberries is way higher so um, I'll snack on some blueberries I also love um, siete cassava based kind of snacks so whether that's their their tortillas or their their chips um lifesaver thank you for existing siete so glad you're there to make a grain-free option that that is easy and on the go because this can be challenging sometimes right for lunch i often eat um just like some chicken uh with veggies really it's really simple but i'm not depriving myself like i let myself eat as much as i want and ladies girl eats a lot. Like if I'm hungry, I'll chow. And <laughs> I I don't worry about like how much I'm eating. I just eat until I'm full. And yeah, so for lunch, chicken, veggie, sometimes I'll eat a salad. It's been more challenging now that I do not eat spinach. Um, but I'll, like uh, other types of greens that I can eat. And, and sometimes I'll play with the salad and just, you know, put as much on top as I want to put on top. So an avocado, um, seeds if you know seeds that I can tolerate a protein cucumber carrot all that good stuff uh, and then I always get in good healthy fats into my diet um, I'm obsessed right now I kind of go through phases in my meals but right now I'm obsessed with avocado mousse I just made this recipe up but I take so there's no measurements <laughs> this is why I am not a food blogger I have like a few recipes on my website but I stopped. I'm sticking to my zone of genius and not telling you guys how to cook because I am like the girl who just like, I'm like, that looks good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sprinkle some salt. Mm, yep. Some cumin. Put it all in a bowl. Shake, shake, shake. <laughs> Even when someone gives me a recipe, I'm like, yeah, I'll just use that as a guide. I'll make it up on my own. <laughs> so this is my like sort of avocado mousse recipe. I take a little bit. I don't know what that means. A little this is what a little bit looks like of wild blueberries again wild blueberries a whole avocado chop it up 
Well, I have it. I just have it because I put it in a blender. Wild blueberry, avocado, some coconut milk, maybe like, I don't know, half a cup. <laughs> uh, some collagen and, uh, or lately I've been doing Dr. X's bone broth um, protein. I get the vanilla kind. It's so good. It's sweetened with monk fruit. Hallelujah. Oh my God, there's so many protein powders out there that are shit, and there's a lot that are just full of sugar. So this one has been really good for me. Um, it has like the, the blue label on it, and it is a vanilla flavor, and I'll put that in there. So that gives me the sweetness and the flavor, and then three or four ice cubes. That's it. I blend it up, and it's like yummy dessert. High fat, healthy fat, no sugar, lots of antioxidants from those wild blues, and that's it. I eat one of those almost every day. <laughs> it's like my little sweet treat, um, but also a really good snack um, when I just need like something to to get me for between lunch and dinner, for example. Uh, dinner, we always make a protein. So whether that's bison or salmon, or we've been loving on some barramundi, it's pretty um, sustainable fish. Uh, we eat, get wild-caught fish, grass-fed meats, or uh, we always get organic for our meat, local when possible, which is pretty easy in Colorado. Uh, and then we just literally pile our plates with vegetables. So, again, sticking to low-oxalate vegetables, but we'll eat, like, um, broccoli. Broccoli is this tricky one because broccoli, if you, like, were to bake it or something, is high-oxalate, but if you steam it, it's low-oxalate. <laughs> so we'll steam some broccoli and or we'll have some Brussels sprouts or squash oh my gosh we love squash acorn squash summer squash uh, spaghetti squash all give me all the squash <laughs> uh, and then healthy fats so avocado oil uh, olive oil and that's that's dinner it's really simple it may not sound super exciting and frankly it's not right now um, I when I have the energy I do get creative and will add some flair but whole foods plant-based, mostly veggies, lots of high-quality fats, grass-fed meat, and that's it. And I've just been really loving on my body and listening to my intuition as far as what to eat and what doesn't make me feel good. Like, listen to what your body does after you eat. Listen for the next 24 hours after you eat something, especially if it's new, right? And um, listen to that intuitive voice inside your head and literally your gut uh, I like to mix that intuition with the lab tests, and that's where I've come to all of these conclusions. Will that I could talk to you in three months, and it might have completely changed, to be honest. But, again, it's okay to change your diet as you heal your gut or as you discover more food sensitivities. I'm actually doing right now the MRT food sensitivity test with my practitioner to find more answers. So we're both... Still a little stumped on why I'm so sensitive to sugar. So we're hoping that might bring up some answers um, in this MRT test. And uh, it's just you go to a lab, get a blood test done, and um, see if there's any other foods. Like, you know, say I have a sensitivity to cassava or something, and cassava is a, a flour and like a chip that I will I will eat right now. It'll be good to know that that's actually creating inflammation in my body. So I'll have more answers soon. What I want to hear from you guys is what do you eat? Where do you find your nutritional information, right? Like, do you eat intuitively? Do you follow AIP diet? Do you work with a practitioner? How do you determine what you eat every single day? 
that's a little insight into what I do and do not eat and how I choose what I eat every day. But I'd love to hear from you. From you. Tag me in your comments or screenshot this, put it on Instagram, and I'll be excited to see. Love you.